Hey, listen, I'm so glad that you guys are here, and uh, if I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Kenny, and I'm the uh, campus pastor at the Regal Campus, but I get to be here with you guys today and next Sunday, and my wife and I are really excited to be here with you guys. And, you know, that song really is an amazing truth when you not only just listen to it and the words, but really allow the words and the truth of that song to set into who you are. It could change radically, wreck your life in a really good way. And, uh, and I love that that song it is a ridiculous grace that he gives us. It makes no sense whatsoever. He does not have to love us the way that he does love us. And again, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the person sitting in your chair right now, he knows everything about everything. Everything you've ever done, everything you've ever thought of doing, he knows it and he has chosen to love you with a crazy kind of love. And, you know, I, uh, Valerie and I were talking, it's just a good time as well for us to be together as a church family and we're glad to be on this campus. Don't miss tonight where we can come together as both campuses at six o'clock to be together as well because we always need one another, but there are times you feel it. Isn't that right? And we always need God's presence in our life. There are sometimes we just feel that need to a greater degree. And here's why, because life hurts. If you've never been hurt or wounded in life, you haven't lived long enough. You're just too young. Give it time because life hurts. You know, the question is not if my kids will go to counseling because of daddy issues one day. It's how much money are they going to spend on their counselor because of daddy issues one day, right? And this is just a reality that we live in. We all get wounded. We all get stepped on, hurt, um, uh, belittled. Um, we get talked about. Uh, we get run over, homeschooled. It doesn't matter. Everybody's in on this deal. I think you understand where I'm going with this. And, uh, you know, the thing about life and getting wounded in life is that wounds are a little bit different, though. Some wounds are actually just difficult. They're, 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 just, they're, just, they're, just, they're just difficult to deal with. These are the kind of wounds that, you know, crazy Uncle Harry offers you every single Christmas or, you know, crazy Aunt Sally at every single Christmas because every family has a crazy uncle or crazy Sally, right? Everybody has that. And if you are thinking and you don't, you're it. Okay, so every family has one. <laughs> And it's just, they just have a way of making things difficult. And it's like, okay, you can get past that pretty easily. Then some wounds in life are pretty hurtful. Something did happen to you. And it's not that you can't get past it. It's not that you haven't experienced some healing in your life. It just takes a little bit longer than, because it wasn't just words. It was hurtful. And then there are wounds in life that are devastating. Like it's the kind of wounds you just don't know if you're ever going to recover from. It's the kind of wounds where you can't imagine being able to look back and not being affected or impacted personally because of it. Because here's what we have a tendency to do in our life when it comes to being wounded is we just carry our wounds with us. And we think given enough time, I'm going to be okay. But here's the problem. We carry our wounds with us and we take them into our relationships with us. We take them into our marriage with us. And that individual starts bumping into that wound at some point in our relationship and it seeps out in a burst of anger, in a quick tongue. And you don't know why if you're the other person, right? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, all I said was, 
You want another cookie? I mean, we don't have to eat cookies. I mean, like, like you can't eat, like it's hard for you to put together, right? Their reaction to something so minor. Why is that? Well, it's true for all of us. If you have unhealed wounds, you carry that wound with you into the next relationship and it impacts at sometimes the most just inappropriate moments and then you get embarrassed. It's just crazy. It just happens to all of us in life. And the thing that I want to talk about today, how those wounds, again, it's not if you get wounded. You do get wounded in life. What do you do with the anger that it causes because of what went down? You didn't ask for it. You weren't looking for it. You didn't see it coming. And now everything has totally changed and there's something in you that rises up and you're just angry about it. What do you do with that? Now, if you're in the room and you're like, well, I, I don't really have anger issues. I'm not angry at anybody. Just a little litmus test. If you're having imaginary conversations with people in your car and you win the argument, you got anger issues. <laughs> have you ever done this? Like I've done this. You know, you're taking a shower and it just hits you of what somebody did and you're like, oh yeah. Oh. Well, and another thing, I mean, it's just like you let them have it, right? And you win the argument, you got anger issues. And we've all been there and we've all done that. And I want to talk to you about that. Now, here's, here's, here's really good news. The Bible actually says, be angry. You have a green light from God to get angry. Some of you are like, I love this church. I'm telling you, man, I knew I love this church. Here's the thing about anger. It is based in truth. It is a truth-based emotion that you're experiencing because what happened was wrong. What the individual did, what they said, how they handled you was wrong. Now, this is important. So God says what happened was wrong, so be angry about it. Green light, go for it. God's heart, you see this in scripture as well, he gets angry when injustice happens. You see this. Jesus went to the temple and dude, he just like turns into GI Jesus. I mean, he goes crazy because of what was happening was wrong. He got angry and it was right for him to be angry because it's based in truth. Now the verse keeps going though, and here's what it says. Be angry, but do not sin. So it's like God gives us as individuals a parameter on our anger. Be angry, but here's what you need to know. In your anger, you can actually step across the line and you can sin in your anger. And so don't go there. Be angry at what happened. But isn't it true? That's really, really hard because our initial response in anger when someone hurts us is we can fly off the handle. We can say something that we can't take back. And it's natural. But God's going, I don't want you to live a natural kind of life. So be angry. But in that anger, don't sin. Now, now, now here, here's, here's why we want to sin or how we feel like we, we should be able to sin or to get back is because we look at the individual and we think, you owe me. You owe me. What you did to me, what you did to our family, you owe me or you owe us. Now, this plays out in so many different realms of our life. This is why it's so helpful no matter where you are in your stage of life. 
And that's this. If you're in a friendship and that friend wounds you, that friend does something to you, you look at that friend and you go, whoa, 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 you're my friend. How could you do such a thing to me? You owe me whatever it is. You owe me honesty. You owe me trust. You owe me dot, dot, fill in the blank. They burned you and now you, you feel like that they owe you, right? This happens in marriages. This may have happened to you growing up where you look at your dad who left and you go, you owe me a childhood. A mom who walked out. You owe me a mom. Now I don't have one. Husband and wife who walked out. You owe me because you promised on a stage one day in front of God, family, and friends. You owe me. So there's this sense. When I get wounded, I get angry, and I should, at injustice. But many times, it can carry a debt with that individual. And the only way we think things can be right is if they pay me back. Again, if you haven't been there, you will. And the verse goes on and it gives us also a caution. This is the caution. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So if you get mad in the afternoon, wait until night and you can be mad for 24 hours and not just, I'm just playing. So do not let the sun, I just made that up. That was really funny, by the way. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now this is the kicker. And do not make room for the devil. You go, well, how does that happen? That's a great question. Because at some point, we can buy a lie. We don't see it happening. We don't feel it happening. We don't know when we're actually crossing over with our anger and stepping into Satan's realm of holding on to a lie. Let me tell you how this plays out, okay? You get hurt by someone which can actually be a good thing, by the way, when you get angry, when someone hurts you or almost hurts you. Anger can protect you, by the way. You, you need to know, anger can protect you. And I'll, I'll show you how it turns into a lie, though. Uh, this past week, my family and I, um, it was late at night, and all of us, all five of us, except the dog, we were all at HEB, right? We don't have enough money to shop at Whole Foods. So we're coming out of HEB. We're walking down toward our car. We had to park a little ways down. It's at night. We have, you know, the, the street lights or parking lot lights, whatever, but it's not a lot. And so as we're walking, we're taking up a lot. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a lot of the space. And there's this car that you could see the street, their, their, their headlights kind of coming up under us. It's getting closer. It's getting closer a lot faster. And it's like, they're not stopping. Well, when I turned around, this car is coming. No brakes, no horn, no nothing. I immediately, I'm like getting our kids and when the car comes by, I just slam the car with my hand. Anger. Somebody's gonna get hurt. I wanna protect my family, right? Now I shouldn't have followed and slid her tires, but that's a different story. It's a different sermon. Just, throwing <laughs> that out there. But anger actually can protect you. It can be a good thing. Now watch this though. When we get hurt, we can take that anger and hold it with us. Watch, this is where it's different. And we buy a lie such as, if I let go of this and forgive them, I'll get hurt again. So I'm going to use my anger to protect me. Not what happened, but I'm going to use it and it's going to protect me from them hurting me again. And that's a lie. 
We can move from something that happened, in truth, it happened, be angry. And yet we can hold on to it thinking that who's going to hold them accountable? My anger will hold them accountable and they're going to pay. Just trust me on that deal. That's the lie. That your anger is holding them accountable. They're going to pay. And so here's the deal. My anger will hurt them enough to where they will feel. I want them to feel what I felt. And if I let go of my anger, if I lay my anger down, they won't feel that. And they need to feel what I feel. And that's a lie. And this is what, it, for, for, I'll tell you how it plays out most of the time. Most of the time, not just in accountability, not just I want to hurt them back. And so they got to pay emotionally the way I paid emotionally. Most of the time it plays out with this lie. If I lay my anger down, I can't control them anymore because my anger is making me believe that if they still know I'm mad at them, somehow I can control and manipulate them. And that's a lie. So this is where Satan wants us to, to bring our anger, bring your anger over here. And here's what I'm going to whisper to you in this realm. Now, if you're married, you know how this works, <laughs> right? One of you hurt one another and then it's time for bed. So you get in before the other person who hurt you and you turn your back and act like you're asleep, <laughs> Right? By the way, if you're, if you're a student, the reason they're laughing because I'm telling you the truth about what happens. And so, you, you know, you acting like you're asleep. Listen, here's what you need to know. When you act like you're asleep, the counselor you get in your head is Satan. He becomes your counselor with your anger. Well, here's what you should do. You going to let her get away with that? Dude, how many times are you going to let him and he becomes our counselor. And little do we know, our anger, watch, is not something that happened. Now it's turned into a fear of what might happen. So we hang on to it. If I lay it down, then fill in the blank. If I don't show how angry I am at her, how angry I am at him, then fill in the blank. See, now it's a fear of what might happen, not what actually did happen. Now. And then here comes Jesus, right? The master teacher, master illustrator comes on the scene. He is teaching about anger and he's talking about forgiveness. And in the group is Simon Peter. Obviously, he has struck a chord with Simon Peter. Because Simon Peter is going to ask him a question about anger and forgiveness. Jesus answers and then tells a story because he is a master storyteller. Here's how it went down in the book of Matthew. It says this, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? You think he had anybody in mind? <laughs> you know, maybe he was giving it this. How many times shall I forgive my brother? Tired of that dude. When he sins against me up to seven times, he chooses a number in scripture that's actually perfection, seven and so, Jesus, I, I just, listen, surely there's a limit. So, I'm going to just pick perfection. So, surely you're going to say seven is plenty of time and the number of when you can forgive someone. And then it's, it's all bets off. You owe me for the rest of your life. Jesus, the way he answers it is pretty interesting. I tell you, Simon Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. 
Just, just, just pick a number. Seven times 70. It doesn't matter. It's not like Jesus is giving a number though. It's not like 70 times seven. It's not like at 491, you let them have it. He's telling Simon Peter, put your ledger away. Take their name off of your list, Simon Peter. If you're going to follow me, forgiveness is the way. We operate in the kingdom of heaven, Simon Peter. And again, if you're Simon Peter, you're going, there's no way that's even possible. And we want to look at Jesus and go, did you read the fine print? Like, did you see exactly what happened? I know no one else saw it happen, but did you see, because I was there, I'm just wondering if you were there by that answer. How in the world do you let them get off like that, Jesus? And then Jesus tells a story. This is the story Jesus told. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he's going, there is a kingdom of heaven way of living life and a realm of Satan way of living life. And he's going, I want to talk about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him $1 billion was brought to him. Now, in your Bible, it says uh, 10,000 talents or just talents. It doesn't matter. Pick a number. The point is, it's a hyperbole story. And Jesus is going, he owes him a billion dollars, a trillion dollars, a gazillion dollars. The point of the story is Jesus is talking to an audience going, imagine this servant. And he actually owed his king a billion dollars. Now, when Jesus said that, the whole audience would have been like, because oh, they would have known. Nobody has that laying around. No one has that in the bank anywhere. So we're, we're going to pretend like we're the audience. Okay, so I'm going to read it and then you're going to gasp, okay? So as he began the settlement, a man who owed him $1 billion was brought to him. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> nice job. Now watch, watch, watch. It's impossible for him to pay back a billion dollars. So the audience now, they're, they're thinking, what's the master going to do? This servant owes him an amount no one could ever pay back. They're going, what? what's, what, what's, that, what's that master going to do? Watch. Since he was not able to pay ever, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And this is the first time that uh, word shows up in the story, a debt. He goes, he owes me, that's a debt. And since you can't pay me back, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to sell your house. I'm going to sell your cat. Actually, I'm going to kill the cat. I don't like cats. And so we're going to sell the dog. We're going to sell your cars. We're just going to sell your chariot. We're going to sell everything that you have. And at least I'm going to make a couple hundred dollars back on my payment. Now watch what happens. Watch this. The servant, important, fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. You know what the servant's saying? Just give me time. All I need is, and he's begging him. He's on his knees in front of his mouth, begging him. Just give me time. I will pay you back. I promise. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. But here's the thing. He doesn't need more time. He could have a thousand lifetimes and he's not going to go make a billion dollars anywhere. Time is not the issue. The master knows this. So what does the master do? Jesus telling the story. Here's what happened. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. 
To which the servant would have said, no, 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 no. I owe you. I know I owe you. And the master would go, whoa, whoa, it's not dealing with you anymore. It's a decision I'm making. I am making a decision and it's not based on your time. It's not based on your promises. It doesn't matter what you promise to do in the future. I am making a decision. Here's the decision I'm making. Cancel your debt. I'm canceling the debt. Can we say canceling the debt together? Ready? One, two, three. Cancel the debt. Men, say it by yourself. Cancel the debt. Ladies, by yourself. Cancel the debt. That's exactly right. (laughs) It's such a powerful moment in the story because it's irrational. It's crazy. No one would ever do that. Ever. So Jesus telling the story and then it goes to this point, cancel the debt and let him go. And it's this. Next slide. You don't know me anymore. The master looks at him and goes, you don't know me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. You're free. I'm free. We're free. Let's go. Watch the story. Takes a twist right here. But when that servant, same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him $10,000. Now, in your scripture, it says denarii, but it's just an amount he could pay back. Today's world would be about $10,000. That's why I put it in there. Owed him $10,000. He grabbed him. See the lie? You owe me $10,000. I'm going to control you. So he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. You owe me, now pay me back. You owe me, so pay me back. Let me ask you something. You got anybody in your life who owes you something? Just think. Maybe it is financial for you. Maybe it's a business partner you had and they took it and they ran and they do owe you financially. Maybe it's someone who owes you something that's important that they can never pay you back. How do you pay back a dad that walked out on you as a child? How do you do that? How, How do you pay back a child that you walked out on from their childhood? How do you give back a childhood? See, many times we hold a debt to people who owe us something they can never pay back anyway. Is there anybody who owes you an apology because of something that they did to you? See, if we really think about the people in our life, many times someone's name will come to mind. And this is what Jesus knows about us as individuals. We all have a tendency to keep a ledger. And until they pay back and debts are settled and Jesus goes, there's a different way I'm asking you to live if you're going to follow me. There's a different way. In the story, here's what it says. His fellow servant, (laughs) haven't we heard this before, fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back, which he could have, $10,000, just give me time, that's doable, but watch what happens. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could 
pay the debt. Now, here's what's interesting about this whole story, right? What's interesting about this story is now he's not even thinking rationally. $10,000, his servant could have paid him back. In his anger, he moved to control. In his anger, he wanted him to pay. In his anger, he tried to, he tried to rationally make it all work out, but it didn't happen. How do you work to pay off a debt if you're in prison? See, it's not even rational anymore. And this is what anger does. You make decisions that just aren't rational. And this is what's happening. Now watch this though. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours. I canceled all of your debt with me. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy? What a beautiful word. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owned. The word tortured is mentioned and that's exactly what unforgiveness does, by the way. It tortures you physically, it tortures you emotionally, and it tortures you spiritually. And this is what has happened in the story. And then it goes on and here's what it says. This is the kicker. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. This is the kicker and punchline of the whole story. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you, for the first time in the whole story, the word forgive shows up. It's never mentioned in the story until right now. Unless you forgive from your heart. See, forgiveness is more than just saying, I forgive you. Jesus is going, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a heart issue. This isn't just a words issue. This is a heart issue from your heart. How do you do that? It's a great question. Here's what I wrote down. I wrote down the first thing from the heart is this, identify the lie. And I think only Jesus can really tell you this. Only God really knows your heart. No one else does. And so you ask him, what is the lie that I'm hanging on to? What am I thinking and believing that my anger is doing for me? What's my fear in laying that anger down? The second thing that I wrote down was this, cancel the debt. If you live over here, your belief is you owe me. You owe me, you owe me. What's their debt? And can you entrust God with your anger to say, you don't owe me anymore. You don't know me anymore. The third thing I wrote down was this. <laughs> Remember the cross. Remember the cross. It's at the cross, all of us. God would look at us and go, the truth is, you're forgiven. You don't know me anything. You're forgiven. You don't know me anything. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful passage in Colossians. Here's what it says as we remember the cross. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. So God made a decision. God did something. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate white clean. The debt canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. 
no amens. That's okay. It'll hit you a little bit later on of the reality and the beauty and the power of this verse where God looks at all of us and he goes, debt canceled. I know everything you've ever done. And I'm just telling you, you don't owe me anymore. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. And then Jesus looks at us as he looked at Simon Peter. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He looks at Simon Peter and he goes, Simon Peter, don't get me wrong. I know you want them to pay. I understand it's based in truth. Just stick around a few more days and somebody will pay for it. But it won't be them. Just watch. Just watch the payment that will be made. Because there ain't no way in a thousand lifetimes you could pay me back for what you owe me. So how about I pay it for you and just look at you and say, debt canceled. You're forgiven. And Jesus looks at us and he goes, forgiven people, forgive people. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Forgiven people, forgive people. Let me ask you something. Is there anybody in your life you're angry at? Angry with? Have you been carrying it around with you? Because you can carry it for years. And the people who suffer are not just the people around you, but it's you. We think that if I give them forgiveness, I'm giving them a gift. Not true. According to Jesus, you are the one who are, who's tortured. And he goes, the gift of forgiveness is really for you to be free. And you don't experience the pain anymore of carrying it with you. Who is it for you? Maybe no one right now. But one day, you're going to be hurt by somebody. That's life. And Jesus says, in those moments, take what they did. Take the cross. And don't forget, I canceled your debt for you. Cancel theirs as well. Let's pray together.